Hello, my little moonbeams and moon rays. I'm your host, Lauren, and this is a different kind of cancer podcast. Let's jump right into it because I'm super excited about today's episode. I think it's going to be really helpful for a bunch of us who are still struggling with the thickness of the quarantine. So today is going to be a mod podge of topics that really are going to help gear you into managing adversity, challenges, and thriving in uncertainty. Um, my moonbeams, today's episode does connect from the last one, which I know I had a great amount of audience from. So thank you guys for tuning into that one. If you really liked last episode, this one ties into it and will help expand on it. So just to kind of circle back, in my last episode, we discussed attachment and how poor attachment in childhood can create lower resistance to stress as an adult. Um, We already know that adversity can cause great and monumental difficulty in how one is successful in life. So how is it some people under stress, under fire thrive while other people or other people <laughs> crumble? Um, and so that's what we're going to look at today is what are these people doing differently? How can you take on that role or take on those attributes of those successful, stressful people? And how can you use that into your current outlook every day or when stress presents more so? So let's look at this. So we all have adverse moments. Stress is just part of life and we can't avoid it. As you've heard me say before, I'm sure on my podcast is stress and pain are inevitable. You're going to have to deal with them as part of being human, as part of breathing. What isn't inevitable, what is avoidable is suffering. And so that is a big part of managing adversity and challenges is how much are you associating and identifying to your stress and how much are you allowing to be transient? You want the stress to become transient because if you're identifying and associating and attaching to what's making your life more difficult, it's not you radically accepting it. It's you creating an identity around it. And you don't want an identity around stress. And I know this is probably going to be a controversial point here because I know a lot of people who, let's say, have mental health disorders or behavioral issues or or medical issues, and that becomes their identity. Um, they seek out things to give them reassurance. They might make accounts just focusing on those illnesses. Um, you know, not Munchausen's. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is part of people's identity is wrapped around their suffering and so much so that we forget that there's more beyond that suffering is really the takeaway from what I'm saying here. And so you don't want your whole identity to become Eeyore. You want it to be a whole well-rounded um spectrum of emotions and experiences in, around, and without the suffering that you're experiencing. So hopefully that resonates. And if you get a little offended, might be saying people tend to identify, attach, and build somewhat of a healthy relationship with their symptoms, with their suffering, then maybe you're one that has to look inward and ask yourself, do I take my pain and make it my identity? Is this how I identify myself? If someone were to say my name, is this the first thing that they would think of? If those answers are yes, then maybe just take a step back without harsh criticism of yourself or even myself for bringing this up and discern and reflect and then move on from there. Because truthfully and and genuinely, no one can change those things, change those things except for yourself. Okay, so off my little box there. So suffering is avoidable, pain is not. So we're going to work on how to ration down the pain and completely eliminate the suffering if possible so that you can use adversity in those painful moments as teachers 
rather than avoiders and perpetuators of a worsened identity of self. Okay, so one huge way that differentiates successful from unsuccessful attempts at resilience is the mental framing one uses. Sure, it sounds easy, but in the practice of it, it can be exceptionally difficult. Okay, Lauren, so you're telling us a difficult and obtainable task, so tell us how to obtain it. Well, of course, it's difficult and it's very much doable. That's the dialectic in life, isn't it? So, moon rays, here it is. In order to build more resilience in difficult, distressing situations, first you have to loosen the reins. Life is all about the perception we put on it. If you look at life from a negative lens, life will persistently be negative or tough for you and bad things will continue to happen. If you look at it as it happens with traits of luck and traits of downfall, life can be more balanced for you. Therefore, I ask you first, what lens do you see life in? If you take the Eeyore mentality, as I've said before, towards stressors, then your resistance towards the stress is innately low. You first want to begin by building your resilience by finding lightness in situations through adjustments in your cognitive lens. Sense of humor or gaining distance and returning to the situation when better able to perceive it more clearly are exceptional tools. Taking a break and standing away from the trigger is not a weakness. You are not running away from it. You are distancing and creating space to return back to it when you can cope with it in a more balanced and healthy capacity. There's this huge stigma around people who ask for space when they're upset. It does not mean they are they are running away from it. It does not mean that they are unhealthy. It does not mean that they don't want to deal with it. Um, it doesn't mean that they're even like hyper-reactive to what you're saying. It clearly just means, depending on how they say it, it, it clearly really just means though that um, they know their limits and boundaries and they're asking you to respect those limits and boundaries, and it takes a healthy person to ask for something that they want, and it's a really hard thing to do to ask for what you need, and it also takes a really healthy and understandable person, understanding person, to respect those wishes and back off. It takes ego on both ends to be reduced and released in order to have a healthy reaction to those requests, which not a lot of people, unfortunately, can give. Ego gets in the way, and they trump or they step on, not Trump, but <laughs> they step on what they, what the other person in that conversation is desperately asking for. So, so as a little soapbox here, what, something that I have found really interesting is um, the idea of ego. And I'm very, I'm a very spiritual person. I've kind of said this already. I put it on my Instagram page as well for the podcast. It's where my name for the podcast even comes from, Cancer being my horoscope. Um, if you haven't already figured that out yet. And so something that I've learned in my practice and teachings and learnings of spirituality is what ego really is. And I think this is helpful, even if just for a little fact factoid for you to hold on to when it comes to releasing that ego. I consider ego to be an earth guide only, E-G-O, earth guide only. What that means is an ego is here for us to succeed on earth, which is important, right? But that's not the only thing we need in order to be successful. We need our spiritual, our spiritual parts to come in. We need our intuition to come in. And we need our creativity and imagination to come in. 
in order for us to problem solve effectively and healthfully. A lot of clinical research has showed us that in order to problem solve, you cannot just have reason. You also have to have this idea of intuition and imagination that comes in that gives you that natural instinctual resolution. And so if you're focusing on ego, and ego is only there to help you through earth-based tasks, it's going to block the part of you that what I would say is your third eye and your crown chakra up. It's going to block those parts of you. So you may actually miss some really important problem solving because your ego is getting in the way. So if you're spiritual and you like kind of some interesting factoids there, earth guide only is your ego. Don't let it block the chakras that are meant to help you connect into your heart and into your imagination and your divine being, your higher self, because within that higher self are greater abilities to problem solve. So there's my little tidbit on spirituality for And I will have many more and other podcasts on spiritual topics only. Um, but for today, that's kind of where we're going to get into for now. Okay, so you want to change the mentality that you're looking at things in which does mean sometimes you have to step back and tell yourself that by winning the argument, it may mean that you have to walk away from the argument right now. But we also want to look at the the terminology winning. There is no winning in a relationship. If you are consistently trying to win, then you're already losing. There's no such thing as winning. It's always negotiating. Life is a game of compromise. And if you're constantly coming at it from trying to outbid the next person or the person you're in a conversation with, you are going to lose every single time. I also just want to give you a little bit of a heads up. My dog, Milton, who is super adorable. He is about a year and nine months old, not a year and 10 months, somewhere in there. Um, if you hear some noises in the background, that's just him running in and out of the doggy door or playing with some toys. I'm not going to edit those out. I think they're cute. They're not going to happen often and they're not invasive enough for me to have to worry about them. But if you do hear some clicking or things like that, that's my dog, Milton Onyx. And so just to kind of give you that heads up as well. All right. So coming, coming back, managing adversity, challenges, arriving in uncertainty. So we already talked about that negative lens and how life will consistently and persistently be negative for you if you constantly associate with the bad things that occur to yourself, including and not limited to health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, whatever it be, health in general. If you're a woe is me person, then more things are going to happen to you. Okay. So begin to build your resilience by finding lightness in situations through adjustments in your lens. A sense of humor or gaining distance and returning again to that situation will help you again to perceive it more clearly. Okay. Prepare for your day with the cope ahead strategy from DBT. So I am a DBT specialized therapist. I'm not certified. I'm specialized. And there is a differentiation between the two in mental health. Specialization, in my opinion, is ongoing and continued learning, consult groups, um, readings and presentations. I also give presentations on DBT sometimes. Um, I've done everything there is to do for DBT other and short of taking the certification exam. So for me, I call myself specialized because I've done everything up to the exam, but I have not taken the certification exam, just for some disclaimers there. Okay, so... Um, I'm a DBT informed, I'll say a therapist. So one of the skills that we use is called coping ahead and coping ahead is such a powerful tool. Coping ahead is when you envision a stressor happening 
and you envision in your mind's eye. No, not your third eye unless you want to. Your mind's eye, your sen- your intuitive and imaginative zone. So you imagine it happening. You imagine, let's say you're going back to school after quarantine. This is your first day at school and it's really nerve wracking for you, whether it be college, high school, middle school, elementary school, whatever. Or maybe you're just going back to work, whatever it may be. You're going back to a social setting. Let's just say that or you're going back to a social setting after quarantine. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to envision yourself driving to that setting. You're going to picture yourself in the car. You're going to picture yourself pulling into that setting. You're going to picture yourself seeing the setting in front of you. You're going to imagine yourself taking deep, deep belly breaths. You're going to imagine the feelings that are happening in that moment. You're going to allow the anxiety to come into your your orbit as you're practicing this skill. You want any of those emotions to come in as you're rehearsing this. You are going to imagine yourself coping well in this situation. You are going to imagine yourself using skills to get through the stress. You're also going to imagine what it would be like for you to fail in this situation. What it would be like for you to go throughout the day trying to use skills and nothing helping. You're going to imagine yourself surviving that even when things fail. And you're going to imagine yourself planning things ahead of time to get you through the roadblocks that are inevitably going to happen because it's virtually, well, maybe that's the wrong word, virtually. (laughs) It's literally impossible to plan for everything throughout your day. You could say, I'm going to have a great day. This is going to be great. And then things still hiccup. And so it's important to plan for those hiccups too. Okay. So you're going to imagine yourself approaching every single piece of your day, putting in coping skills for each part of the day that you anticipate being stressful and then going back and layering it with, well, if this should fail, can I, can I still achieve things? Can I still be successful? Yes, you can. And how will that look? And then you're going to come up with that plan as well. It's a cognitive coping plan for you to carry with you as a toolbox ready to go when your adversity hits. Okay. So adversity in this moment is a teacher. It's teaching you how to roll with the current rather than fight against it and drown. And that's one of, hands down, one of the most important tools I can teach you is rolling with the stress because the adversity is not a current. Adversity is a teacher. Okay. Okay. And then the last skill that I'm going to teach you today is, um, well, there are actually two skills combined into one and they are DBT driven. The other one is looking into what has happened in the past and comparing it to what is happening now. Has things happened like this before? Have they occurred somewhere in your history of living before? What was the worst thing that happened? And did you overcome it? Were you able to overcome it with ease? Did you have to try a little bit and then still accomplish what you were trying to accomplish? Were you able to be successful? Pulling off those resources to help you kind of assimilate or kind of generalize them to the situation you're in now is really going to be monumentally important for how you manage stressors that are uprooted in your current and present day today. So we use this called, we use a skill called compare, which is, or contrast, or however you want to explain it. I say comparisons. Um, Other people call it contrasting, but I call it comparisons. 
Um, and some people don't like this skill because we're telling you to compare yourself to a time that was worse off. Other, other people will say, compare yourself to other people who have had it worse off and how you can use that as motivation to remind yourself that things still aren't as bad as you are perceiving them to be. However, when I teach that skill and tell people to compare themselves to others, I get a lot of pushback and people don't like that. And so I actually do try to get them to compare themselves to themselves at a time that they've had it worse and survived it. So those are two ways that you can do that one skill. The other one is my favorite skill and it's called radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is a beautiful meditative philosophy that is used in Buddhists, um, Buddhist practice, but also primarily used in DBT. Radical acceptance is really the idea of letting go of what you can't control, not holding on to things that no longer serve you, releasing and removing energy that is holding you back and keeping you stuck. It's the idea of, is this serving me? Am I happy here? If not, why am I willful? Why am I saying no to releasing this attachment? What is the threat here? Is there a threat to me by releasing this attachment? Am I afraid of what's going to happen to me if I no longer have this suffering? Am I afraid of the questions I'll have to ask myself in the absence of my pain? Will I have to re-identify my identity? Will I have to explain to others why my, why my suffering just you know, spontaneously was removed? Um, do you have to justify? And so there are a lot of hidden willful questions towards yourself a lot of hidden threats that you may experience as part of a radical acceptance practice. It is really important that when you practice radical acceptance, you do it with no judgment and you do it with arms wide open towards yourself and others. If, you know, if, and when people also had feedback for you as a result of you releasing your suffering and noticing these changes in yourself. Um, and so it is really crucial that you stay open, but radical acceptance is such a powerful and beautiful tool Um, It really helps you weed out the energy that is no longer needing to stay in your orbit. And, you know, that is what I'm all about as an energy healer and as a therapist, releasing toxicities from your orbit is going to drastically change the way you perceive and experience life around you. So my fellow moon rays, these are three to four really strong ways that you can manage adversity and thrive in uncertainty. So to recap these just really shortly, first, you're going to change your cognitive lens to which you see the situation. You're going to build some humor and resilience. You're going to step away from the triggers and the adversity if you're seeing them more as a threat than a teacher, and then return to them with the understanding that they're there just to teach you something and not to hurt you. You're then going to compare this time to a time in your past where things have been just as or more so hurtful or harder for you, and you've overcome those challenges. And look at what you did then to overcome them, if those means were healthy and safe. If they weren't healthy and safe, and you see yourself going down that same unhealthy pathway, seek help. That is the most helpful thing you can do for yourself, and the most growth-filled and powerful thing you could provide yourself in moments of stress. Then you're going to cope ahead. You're going to imagine every step of the stressful situation. You're going to imagine your body feeling the stress. You're going to imagine yourself inputting skills. You're going to imagine yourself successfully and coping well with those skills. And if it should happen, you're going to imagine yourself failing at the skills and how you are going to navigate and move through life even when you're failing at the skills, 
How can you keep on floating until you can get to the help you need? Okay, and then you're going to move on to radical acceptance. And so that's really important. You're going to look at what you need to accept, what's helpful for you in this moment, what you need to own and account for, what you need to be willing to change and work on, and you need to release what isn't helping you, what's creating more stress, what's creating thickness, what's creating you, to, what's keeping you to be stuck in where you're at right now. You're going to look at the willfulness that surrounds you. You're going to look at, um, you know, what threats are presenting to you as a result of wanting to change. What are you scared of coming up, being talked about, needing to be justified if you were to hypothetically release what you were holding on to out of habit, out of, you know, lack of health, out of fear? Um, and that may come down to the fundamental question of who am I without the symptom in my life? And that is huge. If you could really imagine yourself without these symptoms in your life, who can you be? How much more can you do? And how much more can you accomplish and reach? And if these symptoms are keeping you from reaching your truest potential, this is where I really suggest you start, is really just looking internally and seeing what else can be done here. Okay. Um, you really do want to have a purpose, a very clear purpose of where you are going and what you want to do. Create a link between the purpose and the passion in crystal clear terms and steps. And really help yourself to outline what it is you need and want so that way you know where to go, outline the barriers that may present to you, and then come up with steps that can, that can overcome those barriers should they be a little bit thicker than other ones that have appeared. Another interesting subtopic before I run out of time here, another interesting subtopic, as I previously said, um, that I would like to discuss before I run out of time is the idea of meaning in the quiet zone. And, you know, this is the idea of not outrunning pain and sitting with it. Because whenever you outrun pain, you are worsening and prolonging it. Outrunning pain can be sleeping the pain off. It could be taking drugs, drinking, overeating. It could be um, fighting with people because it's more comfortable for you than being intimate and vulnerable. Um, it could be so many over shopping, you know, eating disorders, cutting. It could be anything that you do to outrun that pain. And the longer you outrun it, the pain comes back twofold, stronger, more intense, and um, harder to get rid of. So this idea of remaining quiet and creating meaning in that quiet zone is so important. Um, think of pain and distress as um, a wave. You want to kind of take your mind into that wave, either float on it yourself or have a raft, but just float on those waves of stress. Let it rise you up dip you down, rise you up, dip you down, rise you up, dip you down, and eventually the water will be still. Eventually there will be no waves. Then, you know, here and there, there might be a small little wave, but then it's still. If you constantly go under the water every time a wave hits you, or if every time a wave hits you, you paddle out of fear, or you hold on for dear life, you are creating panic and you are worsening the intensity of that fear. And by paddling away or creating panic, you're actually never allowing yourself to get to that stillness, to get that to get to that quiet of that so-called serene ocean where there is no stress waves. And so if you're one of those people who has to stay busy, who who outruns the pain in some way, 
challenge yourself to just sit in it. Let's say today you're having anxiety. You might say to yourself, okay, I'm anxious. I don't know why I'm anxious, but I'm anxious. And I don't necessarily need a reason to be anxious. I just am. I'm going to sit here for a second. I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to picture myself in salt water, either in a salt water bath or in an ocean or what, what have you. I'm going to picture myself in some water. I'm just going to float. I'm going to starfish myself on this water and I'm just going to float. And as I float, I'm going to feel the waves rock me. And those waves, although albeit are representing stress, the motion of the rock is going to soothe me. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to hold my fist close out of fear. I'm not going to anticipate what's around me or beneath me because in my mind I am safe. I'm just going to sit here. And then after a couple minutes, you may notice the waves have stopped and you are okay. Because believe it or not, your body knows how to resolve difficult emotions. It it knows how to help you resolve physical and emotional pain. The reason it doesn't do it as often as we would like is because we humans ourselves have gotten in the way of resolving that pain naturally. Let your body know what it knows how to do. Float, metaphorically float and watch how much, how, how more able, I cannot talk today, guys. I'm so sorry, stumbling over my words. Um, Watch how more able you are to manage that adversity to manage the challenges that come up and to thrive in that anxiety and that uncertainty because you're not holding on out of fear. You're just being. Release that attachment and you will be successful. Okay? Um, And to kind of wrap this up and to kind of full circle it, attachment styles, as said before, do play a huge part into our temperament and how we see situations and how we, you know, take in opinions. And so if you have, and so if you have difficult temperaments and you notice it, do not dismiss your own temperaments, go seek counseling, do some journaling, reflect and start to slowly pick up on how those temperaments are causing you to differentiate stress in a negative or unhealthy way. Because my moon rays and moon beams Your temperament, yes, has happened because of attachment, but your attachment styles do not have to interfere with your life ongoing. It's all about how much suffering you put into it or how much pain you initially have and say, okay, you know what? I am sick and tired of being in pain all the time. I'm going to go and get help so that way I can manage these stressors better and I can manage the adversity better and I can thrive and I can accomplish because that again, my friends, is radically accepting and coping ahead at its finest. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today because we covered a lot on that this topic of coping well in stress. May these skills help you. And if you have any questions, again, always reach out through my Instagram page, my email, and my other connections are on that page. You can follow my Instagram page at a different kind of cancer podcast. Um, I do believe there are some underscores in there, but if you type in a different kind of cancer, it'll pop up for you. I am going to end today now because my software today has been a little weird. It shuts off every couple of minutes. And so if you hear some breaks in between the segment today, that is because I've had to start new segments every time my um, phone has been acting up because I do upload it through my phone. So, um, 
bear with me guys as technology today has been really crazy. I'm wondering if it's a Mercury retrograde coming up because that would make sense. And we will do a topic on Mercury retrograde coming up when and if it is approaching to help you guys survive it because it can be kind of a nightmare. Um, even if you're not spiritual, I guarantee you recognize these things happening in your life and now you can tie it back to a Mercury retrograde. But that's a subtopic neither here nor there. <laughs> I thank you guys for joining me today. May these skills help you, help you and find you well. And may you continue to have a blessed life and healing along your journey. Namaste, dear ones. Have a great day. Thank you.